Uh, It's a big day for Crossroad Church. Today, uh, we celebrate 20 years as a church family. And I want to just take a moment right now to invite you to please come back tonight. Uh, We're going to have an epic birthday party at 5 p.m. We've got some appetizers, hors d'oeuvres. We've got some good music. We're going to have a special time where we just talk about our story a little bit. And I need you to know, however long you've been here, that our story is truly our story. Like, your story is a part of our story. As Audra said earlier, whether you've been here 20 years or 20 days, uh, you are a part of this story. I want to invite you uh, after service to to take a look at our picture wall in the lobby. Uh, Tristan Broughton did a great job of putting that together, just snapshots through the years. And it's also a snapshot of our church family today. One of the things I love about it is that there are people who have been here for decades, and there are some who've been here literally a few months that are pictured there, but that's our church family, and we are so thankful for each and every one of you that call Crossroad home. So tonight, we're going to talk about the past. We're going to share some memories. We're going to uh, kind of have some, some fun nostalgia time, and if you are newer here, this will be a great night for you to kind of hear our story and kind of hear what we're all about and, and talk about our history some. Uh, it will be fun. I think you will enjoy that. Uh, those of you who lived it, uh, sorry for any trauma we may bring back into your life. Uh, But we're excited to be able to do that. But that's going to be tonight. Uh, This morning, today, what what I want us to do is talk about our present reality, where we are, and really more specifically, who we are. What is it that makes Crossroad, Crossroad? I want to talk about what makes Crossroad special. You heard our staff sharing their thoughts on that. What is it that makes us special? And I don't mind telling you, I love this church. I love this church so much that I moved my family across the country to hang out with you guys. And a few of our staff members share that same story. And then we have some of our homegrown staff members who also coincidentally really enjoy the restaurant homegrown. Uh, But sorry, that's uh, got you back there, Audra. But we have our homegrown staff who who really have spent years, even over a decade, pouring in and investing into our church family. So it is, I just want you to know, our staff loves you, church. Like, we're not trying to grow an organization. The church isn't a business. Uh, We love you. The church is the people. We we talk about you, and yeah, we talk about you, all right? No. We talk about what's going on in your lives. We pray for you. We care for you. We love you. That's what makes Crossroads special is you. You heard that. It was like the people, the people, the people, the family, the people. Like you are the church. We are what makes Crossroads special. And here's the reality. Like people have come and gone into this family for 20 years. There are a lot of people who were here and now they're gone. I've been here four years. There's a lot of people who are like, who's this new guy? They're out. And we've got a lot of you who've come in the last three or four years. Some of you are new. Some of you have been here for decades. Yet what I want to tell you is that you are this church. And when we celebrate 40 years, can I tell you what's going to happen? Some of y'all won't be here. That's just the reality of life, right? But the fact of the matter is right here, right now, we are the church. And what is it that we are doing to advance the kingdom of God? That's the question. So I want to go to God's word and establish the foundation for this conversation today, but let me pray first, and we'll ask the Lord to bless our time. God, I thank you so much 
for this opportunity to, to preach the word and to share our vision and our mission. God, would you just guide and guard my uh, head, my heart, my mouth, Lord, to speak what you want to be spoken. Would you give us ears to hear your message today? Not anything I want to say, but God, what you would say to your church. Lord, we thank you for Crossroad. We thank you for how you've used this church for many years, and I pray, God, for many years to come in ministry. We thank you for what you're going to do. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We're here in Matthew 22, starting in verse 34. And then keep your Bibles open. We'll turn a few chapters over here in a few moments. The Word of God says this. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. This is a foundational passage for Christ followers. I've preached this passage to you before. Pastor Rick preached this passage to you over the summer as we talked about what it means to, to love God with everything that we are. So we see a religious lawyer coming up and asking Jesus, hey, what's the most important commandment? Kind of a little quiz time, seeing if he would answer correctly. And Jesus appeals to Deuteronomy 6, what is known as the Shema, which means here, where it says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, and it says, you shall love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So Jesus says, this is the most important commandment. And then he says, a second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then really, to me, the most astounding part of this text is what he says after that. On these depend all the law and the prophets. So here's what Jesus is claiming when he says this. The entire Old Testament, uh, everything they had that was the Bible at that time, he said, can be summed up this way. Love God and love people. Isn't that wild? So we're talking 600 commands in the Old Testament summed up in this way. Love God and love people. This is what's known as the great commandment, and it's the heartbeat of our church family. But here's what you need to know today. This love does not come naturally to us. That sounds really good. We're like, love God and love people. And we're like, yes, Lord, thank you. But man, isn't that hard to actually do? It's really hard to love people. I mean, have you been around people? It's tough. And this one may be a little more surprising to you. Some of you are like, yeah, people are the worst. But did you know that it's actually really hard to love God? I know that's a shocking statement in our culture because we live in the Midwest and it's like, it's where I drank my first beer. It's where I found Jesus. We're like, like we throw God and Jesus into like the cultural zeitgeist of our world. And it's just like nod to God and we're all Christians because we live in the Bible Belt, right? But here's what you need to understand, friends. The Bible says because of our sin, we are blinded to the God who loves us. So you didn't all of a sudden become a lover of God because you're an American. That's not how it works. Our sin blinds us to the God who loves us. Every single person on planet Earth starts off as an enemy of God because of our sin. 
The Bible says every single one of us is a sinner. Uh, Sin just simply means anything we do against what God wants. So we sin when we break a command of God. We sin when God calls us to do something and we don't do it. And the Bible says it doesn't matter who you are, every single one of you is a sinner. And Romans 6, 23 says that the wages of sin is death. And not just physical death, but eternal death and eternal separation from the God who loved us and created us. This is the state that every single human being on planet Earth finds themselves in. So when we say love God, that's a challenge. Because at the root of your heart, you are a rebel who doesn't love God. Some of you are like, how dare you, pastor? I do love God. Well, you know what 1 John is going to say over and over and over and over and over? If you love me, keep my commandments. You don't hear that in many country songs. And if we're honest, I don't know that we hear that in many of our lives. So apart from some help, y'all, we're in a bind. We're not going to be able to love God on our own, but I've got good news for you today. We don't have to pop all the balloons and go home, okay? (laughs) Happy birthday, get out of here. (laughs) Leave the donuts for me. I had to sing on donut day. Like, save one, okay? I don't want to, second service may just get, you know, donut voice. It may happen, so don't tell them. But here's the good news of the gospel, friends. 1 John 4.19 says this. We love God because he first loved us. Oh, friends, you and I can love God. Do you know how we can love God? Because he loved us. Because God has loved us. Love for God is possible. Even though we are rebels against him, his love makes real love possible for you and me. We can fulfill the great commandment because we have a God who loves us. John 3.16 said, For God so loved the world, that was you and me, before we knew Jesus, that he sent his one and only Son, that's Jesus, that whoever believes in him will not die, but will have eternal life. So if you recognize, I am a rebel who is against God. I can't love God today. I want to. I've tried to just do what the culture says. I've tried to go to church and do what religion says, but I don't know that I really know God and love God today. Friends, I want to tell you, it's possible because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. He died on the cross to pay the price for your sins and to give you new life. And today, if you call to Jesus and ask him to be your Savior and Lord, Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can know this Jesus today. Real love is possible. The walls of your heart can be broken down and you can discover the love of God that will absolutely change your life. And I pray that today would be the day of salvation for you. If you were invited here by a friend today, you received a card and you said, I'm going, this is gonna be weird. I don't know why, but I'm showing up. Can I tell you this is why you're here? so that you can hear the good news of the gospel. I pray that today you would encounter his love in a way that will change you. The Bible says that you can know him today, and it starts with simply calling out to him and accepting his free gift of salvation. If you want to surrender your life to Christ today, listen to me, friends. Do not leave this place without talking to one of us. 
We sing a, a song of invitation here in a little bit. I'm going to have Pastor Lyle down front, and he'll be ready to pray with you. If you want to come down and say, hey, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus, he will be ready to do that with you today. Don't leave this place without knowing Christ. So because God loves us, we are able to love God. And when we love God, friends, that changes everything. In fact, you know those people I was talking about earlier? We can even love them. When the love of God impacts our lives, he enables us to love people. So, so here's what I want to say to you. When we say things like living for Jesus, when we talk about living out the gospel, we use terminology like that a lot. When we say that, we're saying love God and love people. But I want you to see that the great commandment leads us to our mission. Would you turn a few chapters over with me to Matthew 28? Matthew 28. So just turn a few chapters. Matthew 28, we're going to start in verse 18. That's what the Bible says. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We're not going to camp out here long because some of you are thinking, is this deja vu? I'm pretty sure this guy preached this message like three weeks ago. And yes, I did. So I would encourage you, if you want to hear more on this, to go to crossroad.live and click on the sermons tab and you can catch up and find this message. But we've moved from the great commandment to what we call the great commission. And really the great commission is the great commandment in action. The great commandment will naturally lead you and me to this great commission. And that commission is to make disciples who make disciples. Compelled by the love of God and the love that he gives us for people, we want to see people come to know him, but also we want to see people grow in him. And I want to remind you of what we said about this word go the other day. Because when we read go, if you have a church background, here's what happens. When the Great Commission comes out, we must be sending somebody on a mission trip or talking about people in the foreign mission field or some sort of big missions event that we're doing. So let's roll out the Great Commission. And yes and amen, that's a good thing to do. But I want to tell you that this word go in the original Greek language actually is in the continuous action. So it literally should be translated as you are going make disciples so the call of this text is as you live your life as you are going be on mission for jesus so here's what i want you to understand the great commission is not a project the great commission is not some sort of spiritual initiative it's not some special thing crossroad is focusing on no the great commission is a lifestyle and it should be the lifestyle of every single believer it's the last thing Jesus said before he ascended into heaven. The last thing he told us on this side of eternity is, hey, go and make disciples. As you're going, make disciples. So this is the foundation of who we are as Christ followers and who we are as a church. We're motivated by the great commandment to fulfill the great commission. And this is really the biblical basis for what I'm going to share with you this morning about our vision and our mission. Because here's the thing. I want you to know that we didn't just try to say, hey, let's come up with a clever and catchy statement. 
Like, that's not really how we roll. Now, I gotta be honest, uh, this uh, vision statement came along before me. It is pretty catchy, and, and like, my kids are little, and they're still like, reach, teach, live, and love like Jesus, right? Like, they can throw that out there. But I want you to know, we didn't just come up with these out of nowhere and find some words that sound good together and make like Jesus-y church soup and throw it up on a sticker, right? But this has a biblical foundation, these statements and the vision and the mission are rooted in the great commandment and the great commission. And friends, they're rooted in God's word. So I want us just to take some time this morning to talk through our vision and our mission. So let's start with that vision statement. And it's reach, teach, live, and love like Jesus. It's the last thing you see when you're walking out of here on Sunday mornings. It is illuminated above the doors as you are walking out. Some of you are like, what? Yeah, it's there. You can turn and look right now. It's there. It's been there every week since you've been here. The big bright light. This has been a part of Crossroads life for several years, and it sums up our call as Christ followers really in such an incredible way. We, we want to reach people with the good news of Jesus Christ. We want to do what it takes to share the gospel with people so that they would know Jesus. Then we want to teach them what it looks like to know the Lord. So we're going to do that, and when we're reaching and teaching, guess what? The natural product is that we become a people who live and love like Jesus. So this vision has guided our church for several years and it has served us so, so well. In fact, I, I know multiple families in our church who came to our church the first time they've shared with me because as they drove by, they saw the sign, reach, teach, live and love like Jesus. And they said, yeah, that pretty much sums it up. We're gonna visit that church. This is a great statement that, that really is helpful for us. But about a year ago, we were walking through the book of Titus as a church family and we were talking and thinking about the church that Jesus is building here at Crossroad. You know that our story has many iterations, right? If you look at the pictures out there, uh, you, and you'll hear tonight, uh, God has led us through a ton of different seasons, multiple locations, lots of different things that we have been through, but one of the most unique seasons in the history of our church family had to be 2020. And perhaps for many of you, it's the most unique season of your life, period. It was a strange time. The pandemic, the, the cultural outrage, the chaos and the crazy, and we had our own tumultuous things happening here with people that we loved. It was a mess of a season. And like many churches, when we kind of opened up post-pandemic, we had a fraction of the people that we had when we started. And the various waves of the pandemic came, like attendance would go up, then it would go down, then it would go up a little bit, then it would go down. And it just felt kind of like I told people multiple times, it's getting exhausting because it feels like pushing the rock up the hill and it just goes all the way back down, right? And it was a difficult time. But somewhere around mid-2021, I can't really explain what happened other than to say a renewed spirit gripped our church. And we've really grown significantly since that time. And with that growth comes growing pains. But those are the good kind of growing pains, right? Like that's the kind of pains you want. Growing pains are better than shrinking pains, okay? But it brings challenges, like how to find space, how to get new groups going, how to keep that family feel that has been so important to this church for, for 20 years. But so many people say things like, I just don't know people like I used to. And I'm like, do you know how you get to know people? You get to know people. Sorry, it's not the same exact people that have been here a long time. Go meet them. 
Hey, I gotta tell you, most of the new people are pretty nice. Some of them, I mean, <laughs> I'm kidding. And most of the people who have been here a long time are really nice. Some of them. <laughs> but man, that's been a challenge. In some ways, it's been a challenge to try to bring that family feel to our church as we've had a season of quick growth. But those are fun things to figure out. So we found ourselves last fall in the book of Titus, and I love Titus because this was a letter written by Paul to a young pastor who was working in a new work. And I felt in a very real way like I was Titus and Paul was writing this letter to me. You say, well, 20 years isn't, I need you to understand something. In church years, you know, like dog years or one year is seven, it's the opposite for churches. A 20-year-old church is like a toddler church still. Do you recognize that? I have a good friend who had a big thing on Facebook. Come with us as we celebrate 85 years. And I was like, well, I feel a little sheepish about my 20 now. <laughs> right? We're still a toddler church, guys. We're still figuring things out. And what Paul told Titus is this. Put what remains in order. And I felt that call from the Lord in a very real way saying it's time to put what remains in order. And we have so many new people. We have so many people who've been here a long time. We have this great and compelling vision, and we've got a ton of really awesome traditions. But God used our study of Titus to help us really define who we are and to define what direction we're going. If you remember, we called that series Church Under Construction. And from the fall of 2021 to now, it's safe to say we've been under construction. God has added to our numbers and the construction project is still ongoing. But it was through this study that the Lord led us to come alongside our vision with a clarified mission statement. Because reach, teach, live, and love like Jesus, while it does sum things up so well, it can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. So we wanted to clarify and say, how is it that we do this? So if our vision is what we want to do, this mission is really how we want to accomplish what God's called us to do. And these are the things that define how we believe the Lord is uniquely using Crossroad in our city. Now listen to me when I say this. I don't mean to say we're the only ones doing these things, but I do mean to say that we want to build our church around these things. These aren't just things we do. These are who we are and what define Crossroad Church. So I want to talk about our mission, and we're going to go value by value for these, but, but you've got the whole mission statement up here on the screen. Let's start with talking about preaching the word. Our church is committed to preaching the word of God. We're not going to be talking about the latest fads or, or the biggest social issues every moment. We're not going to talk about the felt needs of man, but the word of God is what we are going to preach. And can I tell you, brothers and sisters, the word of God will address those things if we're preaching the word. My goodness, it's been bonkers how many times we've been walking. Like, do you remember Luke? Like, we, not Luke, I mean my friend Luke. It's good to see you, Luke. I, I remember you, bro. But I also remember like two years of going verse by verse through the gospel of Luke. Some of you want to forget it, but it's okay. And some of you don't even remember it. That's sad. It was two years, guys. But here's what's wild about that. We were going verse by verse through that, and how many Sundays did we open up a text, and it's like, whoa, 
This is talking to us. This is talking to this cultural issue. This is talking to what's going on in Washington. This is talking about what's going on in Wichita. This is what's talking about what's going on in our church family. And it's like, somebody's reading our mail. And it was like, yeah, the Holy Spirit. I love it when people are like, pastor. And I'm like, I don't even know, stop. But God is so good as we faithfully preach the word to give us what we need. I want to tell you something, friends. People want to try to make the word of God relevant. People are working so hard to preach the word of God in winsome and creative ways that people will be able to grab onto and understand better. And let, let me just tell you, the word of God will always be relevant and powerful when it's preached. The word of God is effective Preaching the eternal and sufficient word of God is the best way to be relevant and powerful in our culture today. So the way we do this is through what is known as expository preaching. That's a big word, but it simply means this. We go to the text and we find our truths from the text. So we don't take an idea and say, oh, I gotta go run and find some Bible verses that agree with my idea and preach some cool message on it. Uh, I gotta tell you that happens all around in pulpits or cool cafe tables at churches all the time. I've, I've preached from a cafe table. I ain't hating on that, all right? I like my pulpit though. More space. And it's at a slant, but I can't set coffee on it. That's the cafe table comes in clutch. All right, back to the text. We don't want to just try to find verses to support our ideas. We want to go to the Bible and glean our ideas from the Bible. Do you see the difference there? There's a big difference. So we will have a steady diet of expository preaching at our church, regardless of who's in this pulpit, whether it be me or one of our staff members or a guest. We want to preach the word. Now, to be clear, there are times where we address topics. There are times where the Lord leads us to do something a little different. Let's be honest, what we're doing today is not expository preaching. This is not normal. In fact, I even messed with the idea of not even having the pulpit here and making it wildly different because I want you to know this is not really what we consider and call preaching. This is kind of a family conversation. And here in a month or so, we're gonna have a series where we talk about membership and, and do that for two or three weeks. So listen, those are things that we have to do and need to do occasionally, but the steady diet of our church family from the pulpit is going to be expository preaching, verse by verse, book by book, as we go to the word of God and let the word speak to us, challenge us, and change us. We have been entrusted with the gospel. We've been entrusted with the word of God and we must be a church that preaches the word unapologetically, unashamedly, and boldly. Because throughout history, God has used the preaching of his word to save people, to disciple people, and even to bring revival to his church. It's not about the preacher. It's about the word of God. Friends, that's why I preach the word. You don't need my creative ideas. You need the word of God. So I'll tell you, friends, I've been convicted in recent weeks. Uh, I work hard to prepare to preach the word, but, but man, especially getting ready for a day like this, we've been, we've been booking it, doing all kinds of stuff, getting ready. I've been blowing up balloons for three weeks. <laughs> Not really, but metaphorically, we've been blowing up balloons for weeks. <laughs> And I find myself at times thinking like, man, I got to get back to what Acts 6 says. Do you remember Acts 6? Where the apostle said, hey, it's not right for us to be doing all these other things, busy doing all this other stuff, 
we need to prioritize prayer in the word. So I just want to tell you, as your pastor, I'm working to do that. My door may be shut a little bit more. You may call, and I may not be immediately available. But brothers and sisters, I want to tell you, I'm trying to do the most important thing for us. And that's be prepared to share the word of God with you. So we're going to be a church that preaches the word. Second thing I want us to see is that we're going to be a church that reaches the nations. I want to reach the nations. Now, immediately when you see that phrase, you probably think missions. And that's a good thing to think about. But you need to know this call to reach the nations is also a call to reach your neighbor. Do you know that the nations are coming to Wichita? Like, it's happening. Whether you want it or not, it's happening, Okay. Uh, I, I got to tell you, like, it just blows my mind. Like, where, where I live here in this neighborhood, I would say our neighborhood right here around the church is, is not very diverse. Yet, on my street, there are five different ethnicities. You know, that sounds pretty diverse to me. But we're not the most diverse part of our city by a long shot. Friends, the nations are coming here. So we reach the nations by reaching our neighborhood God has given us a mandate to reach the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we surrendered to Christ, it is a call to then give our lives for this mission, to make disciples of all nations, to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. But again, that starts with your neighbor, your family member, your classmate, but it starts by actually doing that. But friends, this is a both-and proposition, we, we want to make disciples here in Wichita, but part of making disciples is raising people up who will literally go to the nations. We support international missions with a ton of financial giving, and we want to do that because we desire to reach the nations. I'm even praying that God will raise up missionaries from our church who will go, whether that be short-term, long-term, or in-between. We want to be a church that reaches the nations. The third core value of our mission is equip the saints. Equip the saints. There's so many churches that I think are really all about this reaching the nations part, right? Like, let's make converts. Let's be all about evangelism. And I praise God for those churches. But you can't have evangelism without discipleship. I think you create a very shallow church when you're all about evangelism, but you never disciple those who have given their lives to Christ. When you read the Bible, you see that this is our call, the Great Commission, to make disciples. But what you need to understand is that it's not the pastor's job. Ephesians 4 says that the job of the pastors is the primary call of pastors and ministry leaders is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So it's not my job, friends. It's our job. Together, we are to come alongside one another and equip the saints for the work of ministry. And equipping the saints means that we're going to continue to create a culture of discipleship. Y'all, I'm so excited. You've heard me talking about this now for a couple years, and many of you are thinking, well, I hadn't really seen or heard much about that. Y'all, in this next couple years, we're going to start seeing the multiplication take effect. This is Jesus' model of ministry, by the way. Do you remember when Jesus died on the cross? <laughs> That's kind of sound like the Chris Farley SNL bit. Do you remember that? So let me tell you, when Jesus died on the cross, you know how many followers he had? Pretty much none. Everybody left. Everybody ran. We think of Jesus starting this huge epic mo movement, but can I tell you how Jesus started this movement? By investing in 12 guys. In fact, when you read the Gospels, really three guys in particular. 
who then invested in others, who invested in others, who invested in others. And you think a 20th anniversary birthday is a big deal? Y'all, like 2,000 years later, we are part of the massive multiplication that happened from a very small movement. So I want to tell you, we talk sometimes about growing a big church real fast and that we could do that if we wanted to. Uh, again, I think we could. I think we can make that happen. But friends, we want to build a church that will last not for just 20 years, not just for 50 years. We want to build a church that will last until the Lord comes back. And the way we do that is by thinking smaller. So it's like a good brisket, low and slow. And we're making it happen. We're investing in people. Uh, we're we're going to have, in, in January, I'm calling them discipleship grandchildren. People that I've been able to invest in are going to then be investing in others. And, and in a year or so, they're going to be investing in others. And we are making disciples who make disciples. And I believe that in 10 years, we're going to see the fruit of that. We will be a disciple-making church that you can't even really wrap your head around now what that looks like. But the multiplication will take hold, and I'm super pumped for that. So that's what we mean when we say equip the saints. The last core value of our mission is prayer. Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. It was about 18 months ago that we were like, could Crossroad be called a house of prayer? I mean, we pray a few times, you know, and try to pray long enough to get the band back on the stage. But do we really pray? You know, the one time we see Jesus angry in the Bible is when people had stopped praying in the church and turned it into like a shop. Is there a better shop than the American church today, friends? Some of you are thinking about coming to shop again next week because we had donuts today. That's the, it is the number one question I've been asked this morning. We're going to have them again next week? Can I tell you? No. This was a special day. And save me a donut, okay? But here's the thing. Y'all, we're not, we're not just a, a shop. We're not, like, we're, we don't want to play church and just be a consumer-driven church where you come and get, get enough of whatever it is you're looking for that you're happy and you keep coming back. That isn't what we're to be about. And, and about 18 months ago, I, I really feel like the Lord kind of, again, metaphorically turned some tables over in our hearts. And we were kind of wrecked by that. And we thought, wow, we do need to pray. So now we do this every Sunday morning. So if you thought that was a little awkward earlier today, some weeks it does feel awkward. Some weeks it gets quiet. Some weeks you may not even feel like praying. And then we stop for two or three, four minutes in our service and just pray together. We come on the first Tuesday of every month and gather in this room and we pray. I want to tell you, God moves in those times. First time we gathered, we had almost 100 people. And it's slowly gone down to about 30. I've told you before, do you want to kill a service? Call it a prayer meeting. Because we just don't want to pray. But I just got to tell you, when I get discouraged, I'm reminded that Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. So if it's just me and Rick and Lyle and Audra, we'll be coming up here and praying on Tuesday nights. Because we believe that it's that important. And we're so thankful for those of you who have been able to come and participate in that. And I want to encourage some of you to come and join us when you have opportunity. So I'm thankful for the work Jesus is doing as he makes us a house of prayer. All of this we're talking about, our vision and our mission, really needs to be bathed in prayer. 
So this is our vision. This is our mission. We want to reach, teach, live, and love like Jesus. And the way we accomplish this vision is through the core values of our mission. We want to preach the word, reach the nations, equip the saints, and pray. But I want to end with this simple reminder today. We said at the beginning of our message, and you hear me say this all the time, the church is not a building. The church is not an organization. The church is a people. We are the church. So here's what I want to ask you. Is this vision and this mission part of your life? If it's not, then we're just messing around. Then it's just branding. And we we don't need that. But a people who wrap their lives around the call to reach, teach, live, and love like Jesus, the people who make priorities in our lives, and as we come together as a church and say, we're going to preach the word, we're going to work together to reach the nations, we're going to equip the saints, we're going to be a praying people, that church is a church that I believe the Lord stands ready to use in a mighty way. And you think two decades is something? Watch the impact that can happen for all of eternity if we take the call of God serious. We have so much to celebrate, friends, and we're going to do that tonight. But can I tell you, I really believe with all my heart that the best is yet to come. And it's because of what God's doing in you and in us. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for this opportunity just to gather around your word and to just hear what you are saying to your church. God, I thank you for this vision. I thank you for this mission that you've given us. Lord, it is a great blessing to be able to walk in your truth and to work to be a part of what it is you're calling us to do. So God, I pray that you would help us to fulfill this vision, that you would help us, God, when the world distracts us, when things get in our way, that we would be reminded of what's important today. God, that we wouldn't depend on Programs We wouldn't depend on uh, all those things to, to grow this church, but God, instead, we would be a people living out the great commandment, fulfilling the great commission through our vision and mission. Lord, I thank you for this people, and I thank you for this church you've given us.